We're all the same. Like, we're all just like beautiful messes. You're listening to episode number 75 of the Self Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by Kaylee Reed. New episodes are released only on Self Care Sundays. And today's episode is a very special interview and chat with my friend Kelly. So today's episode is a chat with my friend Kelly, who you might recognize from Instagram at underscore Kelly U. She has, I don't even know how many followers at this point, over 130,000 followers. And I've been following her for quite some time. I think probably around five years I've been following Kelly. And we originally connected through the mental health community. So if you've been following the podcast for a while or following me on Instagram for a while, you know that prior to starting Self-Care Sunday and being in this, you know, chapter of my life, I was very involved in the mental health advocacy world and Kelly and I originally crossed paths that way. She is a super inspiring self-love advocate. She has struggled with eating disorders in the past and I just really resonated with the way she shares herself online, um, her authenticity, the positive messages that she shares, and she's just so brilliant. So in today's episode, you're going to learn a little bit more about who Kelly is behind Instagram. She actually has a full-time job as a researcher. She is so brilliant and so cool. And in this episode, we talk more about her creative journey as well as why she turned down her post-grad acceptance and how she deals with criticism in a very compassionate way. In case you didn't know, I also signed Kelly to my agency this past year, so it's been an absolute pleasure and blessing to be working with her and now to be sharing her story with you guys on Self-Care Sunday. Hey Kelly, I'm so excited to have you on Self-Care Sunday. I'm kind of shocked that it's taken this long for me to have you as a guest on the show. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh my gosh, please do not apologize. I am honored. Self-Care Sunday is so catchy, first of all, and also I've known of this for so long and you are just wonderful. Can't wait. (laughs) Okay, well, I want to start with a little bit of your story and like the background and who Kelly is before you became a quote unquote influencer. How did you get here? Oh, wow. Well, me as a human being, it is wild to kind of see where my life is right now, because honestly, and I think many people who share a lot of things online can feel the same way and relate. It's, I grew up really not having much of a life, uh, many friends. I struggled a lot to kind of feel like I belonged somewhere. And I think that that is the coolest part about the internet and social media is there is a space for everyone. And it is really amazing to be able to share such vulnerable things like mental health and my recovery through eating disorders and depression and anxiety and feeling like such an other and struggling with all those things, but there is a beautiful safe space for that online. So I think that's kind of why I really got into it. I mean, I grew up in an Asian family, uh, didn't really fit in anywhere. I felt very self-conscious all growing up and eating disorders kind of started very young and it just kind of spiraled into a lot of deeper struggles with my mental health because I think when none of us have someone to talk to, you just start internalizing so many things and I think I just really turned to the internet to help me with that. I think when I started sharing and then I saw feedback from others who related it, it was like a big warm hug 
that I'd never had. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty addictive. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, so outside of your Instagram life, like you're so brilliant. You're such a smart and just ambitious person. <laughs> Will you, <laughs> I'm serious. So Will nice you talk a little bit about, um, just like what your life, like you're, you're a student, you have been a student, um, mm-hmm. And you are doing stuff outside of Instagram too, which I always yeah. like to highlight because I think sometimes people are like, oh, they're just yeah. an internet person, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, it is really it is really fun to have like two kinds of lives. And I think a lot of people who know me in real life think it's pretty, pretty strange. Um, yeah, I mean, I am a research coordinator. I have worked for a research project at a university for many, many years, and I absolutely love science. I study the development of children, specifically children from one week to the age of seven. So it is a longitudinal study for about 400 families, and we investigate all the factors, whether it's, um, sleeping patterns, eating behaviors, socioeconomic factors. And it's really cool to have that just, you know, I think that education and having a stable job is really important, especially to my mom, because we grew up very, very poor. And so we really had nothing. So she really was like, please get your, you know, what you feel is comfortable for you, which is a degree and some money because we didn't have any growing up. So I'm pretty happy where I'm at today. (laughs) And so you mentioned a little bit like dipping your toes into the Instagram world and starting to open up and Mm -hmm. share your struggles. Was there something particularly that really prompted that journey? Like was there a moment or like a specific thing that happened or was it really just gradual over the years? Honestly, I think probably a lot of people can remember this fitness Instagram. I know it's still a big thing, but it was huge. Like five years ago, it was everyone was like, I want to be fit. I want to be hot. I want to be on these all these special diets and stuff. So I honestly started Instagram as a fitness person. It's it blows my mind because that is a very, I think we can see it now is not the healthiest environment for people to be obsessed with online. So that's actually where I gained like my first 50 K actually just being obsessed with fitness and stuff. And it was a very beautiful community though. I mean, everyone was really close friends and we all shared the same, you know, kind of unhealthy obsessions, which was changing our bodies, criticizing parts of ourselves, trying to be better, quote unquote better. So I transitioned out of that as I started seeing my inner struggles really bleed into my personal life so extremely that I was not doing well at all. I was in college and was just broken. And um, I felt like my online presence was not in alignment with who I was and what was going on. So I started talking about therapy and being like, hey, like this fitness stuff is like kind of messed me up a little bit, (laughs) to be honest. Wow. And did you feel any like backlash from people in that community or because I know like that community is very, you know, tight knit, as you said, and the self-love and body positive community can kind of clash with that sometimes. So did you find transitioning like hard at all or what was that like? Oh, definitely. Um, The parts of the transition were difficult was only for people who's, you know, in life when people start to criticize you for being more of yourself and start to hate on you for making them feel uncomfortable, what comforted me is I knew what I needed, which, and I was being true to myself and I had a positive mission. So, you know, I definitely did from people from the social media world of fitness. I remember when I first came out with my jewelry collection, friends who used to be my friends in that community actually posted about me and said what I was doing was like, just like terrible. And I just wanted money. (gasps) Yes. It was a big thing. 
And they actually posted that on my birthday about four years ago. It was on my birthday. And I never really experienced that. I'm grateful. I don't experience any negative feedback, which I'm open to because I want to learn about, you know, if people have comments about me. But so that was the only thing. And I think in life, when you allow yourself to value your own truth over others, obviously still maintaining being a good moral person, like having a good moral compass, you're fine. You know, I think that's what kept me going is I think what I'm doing is good because I'm, you know, seeing that there's a lot of eating disorder behaviors in this fitness community. And all I'm doing is saying, hey, like, kind of want to transition out of that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you brought Mm -hmm. up a really interesting um, point, which was, you know, monetizing your content or, you know, starting a business or a side hustle as an influencer. And I think especially being in a space where you're talking very openly about mental health and self-love sometimes people (laughs) like to think that those two things can't go together. Like if you're monetizing your content or your influence, you're somehow doing something bad and not moral. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Every time, every single time you do an ad or something, you're like, oh, oh my God, I I can't. I just, I think they're going to hate me. And it's just, it's still like that. Like every time it's terrifying. And I know that's for a lot of other influencers who have even much more, um, more significantly larger platforms than I, everyone gets this incredible anxiety because for self-love, body positive, self-care, mental health platforms, it is very bizarre that there's this pressure to just be uh, like a non-profit, Mm. which I have been for six years. And there's no problem with that. I never do it for dollars. It is wonderful that we can feel more um, motivated to make content if we can make something from it. But I know for all of us across the board, no one is doing it for money ever. And it's so sad that we are just so, a lot of us, I think in the world are empaths. And so we worry about making other people uncomfortable, just anyone in this world. And so that is like the biggest trigger when you want to be someone who seems like an angel who helps people, your biggest fear is that people will turn on you, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really wild to me because in my eyes, like seeing people with these amazing platforms who produce amazing content, if you can monetize that, that to me is super empowering because it's like, wow, this woman is now a female entrepreneur running, you know, she has a jewelry line, she's getting brand partnerships, running these content collaborations. And those things to me are actually really feminist and like really empowering because you are you know, building your own independence, you're working on your financial well-being. These are all things that I think are so important, but it does get really mixed up in that space where, you know, it is kind of controversial. I don't even want to say controversial because I don't know if it's like, I don't know if that's the right word though. I think what we're all learning more about is how human people are and feelings are very significant. And I think when people have negative responses to things. I do have more compassion for that because obviously I don't want negative feedback, which I never get. But for example, if someone's uncomfortable with someone monetizing their content, I get it just because it's a projection of something, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, wow, like they can just be online and make money. Like that is something in my past I was very jealous of. So I could see my old self being upset or angry with someone because anytime we have a negative emotion incited within us, oftentimes it can just be a part of us that we wish we had or a part of us that we don't like. Not always, but it's something that I've had to learn in myself. If I feel negative about someone, I go, hmm, what is that activating in me? Mm. I think that's super self-aware and so important. And that's something that I 
need to try and work on a little bit more too, because I think you're right. Like if you do feel a ping of jealousy or something like those negative feelings in any situation, not just online or, you know, with Instagram people, but just in general, I think generally it tends to say something about where you're at personally and like, why is that affecting you? Yeah. And I think that those people, even if they are being negative or, or jealous, I think they're, they're still hurting or something. So I do want to have compassion for those people and make it kind of inclusive um, because hurt people hurt people. And so I don't want any like people who are negative. I remember when I was a teenager, I was like someone who was very insecure and jealous. I remember saying negative things about like other teenage girls that I thought were prettier than me. And I, I really, really feel that. And so it's hard to see people being really, really ostracized for being negative because I think they just need someone to talk to. Not that they deserve it, but they need it. Yeah, I fully agree. And this kind of makes me think of cancel culture a little bit. And we've seen that mm-hmm. so much in the past couple of years of influencers or public figures or, you know, just people who have a viral moment fully being canceled and ostracized for maybe a slip up, maybe a mistake, maybe something that they didn't fully think through before posting online. But because of the nature of the internet now, everything, you know, can become a thought crime or whatever. I love your take on being really compassionate. And I think we need more of that. I think just in general, um, I'm curious if, you know, since your account has grown so much and, you know, whether or not you want to be called a quote unquote influencer, has having <laughs> has having all those eyes on your page really changed your life in any way? Um, or what has, you know, what has things looked like since you've grown this following? Honestly, <laughs> in my therapy, I love therapy. I've had the same therapist for about like five years. Um, she and I talk about this every week about how no matter the struggle, I mean, I'm sorry, no matter the successes you have, like I think your inner child still kind of stays the same. And like I, I still feel like I'm very unimportant and I feel like nobody cares about me. Nobody wants me. In terms of not a pity party, it's the reason I find such joy in being online is because I feel like you know, I have a community, I give love. And I also just like any human, we want to get care and receive love. And I had none of that growing up. So for me, a lot of those unhealed wounds are are things that you need to work on that will never be cured from any amount of attention, love or care or money. And so I love what I do. But it, it, it has not really changed my inners as much. Obviously, I feel really lucky and it's so fun. It definitely has made life changes in terms of the opportunities I get. For example, maybe traveling to do something or collaborating with Dove or collaborating with Diva Cup, things like that. You can never dream of. But the inner human, I want everyone to feel like we are the same and we're all together because we're just sensitive people. <laughs> who need more love and acceptance and no amount of online attention can really do that inner healing. I think that we all want for ourselves. Yeah. Do you ever feel overwhelmed with, you know, the support you get or with people's questions? Like I remember when I spoke a little bit more openly about mental health on my own account. And I mean, I had maybe 5,000 followers at the time. Mm -hmm. I always had people messaging me with, their stories, their mental health stories, their traumas, you know, just, I think more than ever, people just want somebody to talk to. They don't necessarily want advice. They just want to be able to get it out to someone, but how do you set boundaries, um, for yourself so that you 
you know, are kind of self-preserving and not taking on all of the emotional traumas of other people who might follow you and like reject you. You know, Kaylee, honestly, it's like, I just feel like I want more. Like in terms of, I feel like, I feel like I'm never doing enough. And, um, I really do. And it's not even, I don't even want to paint myself out to be like such a giver. It's more like, I think when people come to me, it just feels like I'm less alone. Like it it might even be selfish because when they share their stories or they're responding, it just makes me really happy that I could help someone feel less alone. Because seriously, when I was growing up, I had nobody, like I was just so broken and alone and lonely. And it's so ashamed, like just so ashamed of having these thoughts and feelings about my body or my eating disorder, all these behaviors. So if someone opens up to me, I feel really grateful that there is a safe space for them. And I'm literally tearing up because it, it is really weird how much I, I, I want to be there for them. And it's kind of, it's, we, it's probably very weird, but I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. I love that. Um, I know that you're recently accepted to do your pro- post-grad studies, Um Tell me a little bit about that, like your motivation behind that and kind of what the next direction is. I think you decided yeah. you're not going or what's what's going on there? Yes. Okay. So I got my undergraduate degree from college. I was an econ major. I graduated in 2015. So it's 2020 now. It's been five years. And um, I think honestly, the last five years has just been me trying to find stability in my own self. I'm really lucky that I've always been um, more on the side of type A, very perfectionist, but deeply struggling on the inside. So it's, it, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Your life looks really good from the outside, but you are just torn up on the inside. And I've gone through a lot in the last five years, also like getting out of a really toxic um, relationship, things like that. So anyway, I finally came to a point where last December I was like, you know, I, re- I really want to be a therapist and I can do it. I want to do it. And so it was really intimidating to even think about applying to school. And so when I did it, I felt like really accomplished and I got in and found out about a month ago. And it's really interesting that that didn't really hit me. I didn't feel like it was an accomplishment. And I think that a lot of people can also relate to that. We as humans can become numb to good news and bad news. Doesn't really matter. I think a lot of times we're so wrapped up in our heads. So sometimes I really wish that I could just meet every single person that I talk to online and just be a person because I wish they knew that we're all the same. Like we're all just like beautiful messes. Like I'm no different than any of you. So whether I'm posting about being excited about going to grad school, like we're just the same. And I'm not gonna go just because uh, I've learned in my to listen to like a gut feeling and gut feelings it can be just fear feelings, but I'm not afraid of going to grad school. I know that it's just not my time. I think it was more just showing myself, Hey, like you can do other things rather than just what you're doing right now. And you can do anything that you want to do and, and listen to your gut. So right now I feel like my family on social media, all of the people that I get to talk to every day are, are honestly more important to me right now than curriculum and changing my career. And I have a full-time job as a research coordinator, which is quite fulfilling. So I don't really – just listening to your gut is a really beautiful thing. That's it. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I I love that. And I think a lot of people have a really hard time saying no. Um especially with like, you know, when new opportunities come up, but sometimes saying Mm -hmm. no can be the best thing for like holding the door open for what is actually meant to be, you know, in your life at Mm -hmm. that time. Um, So I totally like that. And I think that that's like, 
I love that you still shared, you know, your whole journey with that on Instagram and, you know, being excited about getting in, but also like, it's totally okay to listen to your gut and do what you feel like you're being called to do right now. Thank you. Oh my God. Yeah. When I found out, I didn't talk about it. I wasn't even going to post about it. I was, I, when I first found out, I actually sent a screenshot to my mom and my sister and I said, it's really weird, but like, I just don't even feel anything. And my sister says, shut. Yeah. And she was like, you need to shut up. Like, don't ever downplay something. You know, I think that's what people probably don't realize is just about so many humans, not even influencers. Like, obviously I was excited when I got the letter, but it's like, what you see online is like so different than all the drastic different human emotions you can have about one thing. You could care a lot, but also not care at all. It's really bizarre. Mm. I think you've done a really good job of, how do I put this, of sharing um, your authentic self online, but in a way that is not too overbearing or triggering. And by that, I mean, um, I've followed a lot of mental health influencers in the past that sometimes it gets really overwhelming because they post, sorry, I'm losing my voice. <laughs> um, they, okay, Lee, let's, you okay? Yeah, I don't know if I'm all right. <laughs> we don't want to lose uh, you, girl. Um, but, you know, sometimes I think there is, I, I always think there's value in sharing your story online, but I think sometimes there's a fine line between like oversharing and knowing, you know, if I share this, is this actually helpful to other people versus am I just doing this as a way to get it? A diary. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like a really hard line to, to be on in this space. And I think you do a really good job of, you know, curating that. And I know people are always like, we want authenticity a hundred percent of the time, but sometimes I think it's unhealthy to be fully, 100% of yourself transparently online all of the time because, you know, we all have ups and downs. And if it's, I don't know, I just, I I have a lot of feelings about that. And I just think you do a really good job of like sharing your authentic self, but also in a way that is relatable and like helpful to other people. That, (laughs) I feel like a warm aura around me. That means so much. And thank you. Because I I definitely have had a lot of moments where I think I definitely overshared or was using it as kind of a diary diary entry. And I think I've needed to, I haven't had those moments in quite some time, but I've definitely had it. And I think the best, and there's a lot of pressure. I think it makes me feel like I always have to be um, appealing to everybody and likable Mm. and digestible to everyone, which negatively transfers over to your personal life. So I think it's important to show up online that's safe for others and then make sure in your real life you feel safe enough to share with people who 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 can be there for you. I think that's maybe a big stress point for people who feel like they just have to make everyone feel um, safe and comfy, which is always important. But I think that we need to make sure that in our real lives, like face-to-face with others, we allow ourselves to fall apart or be messy because – that is very, very real and needs to be let out. Something that I was just thinking of during our conversation is you're kind of a unique being in that you are a researcher. You're very analytical science person. Mm. And yet you also have this very creative platform where, you know, your content, like the way that you edit your stories and um, Therapy Thursday and just the way you've branded yourself is very unique to you. Like I see 
your content with all the little emojis and like the way that you edit things. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right? <laughs> So I'm really curious, like how, like, have you always been fully a creative and science-based person? Do you feel like more one or the other? How do you, you know, be inspired creatively? Like what are the things that inspire you to create? Oh my God, Kaylee, girl, <laughs> when I was younger, I, my dream was to become a famous singer. Really? Oh yeah. You were an amazing I was, singer. I forgot yeah. about that. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. But so my parents are creatives. My mom and dad are both singers. My dad is an incredible musician. My dad also write, used to write plays and act. My mom is also an actress, was like in, in movies. Yeah. And so growing up, I was, all I wanted to be was a famous actress and a singer. And I would do so many shows, performances, theater. I was Peter Pan. Like I was Peter (laughs) when I was younger. So I think that's probably where this comes from. And a lot of things I talk about in therapy is this is a very human emotion is we all really, really want to be special, not just feel special, be special. And I think that my wish to be special turn into a mindset of I need to be famous, right? Mm. Like I need to be famous for being a beautiful singer or being pretty, but I wasn't like pretty. And I wasn't, you know, when I was younger, everyone is, but you know, conventionally, obviously also growing up Asian at the time, I know being Asian is cool now or whatever, but like in 1990s, like you wanted to be white and thin and blonde and cool. So I think when I wasn't getting what I wished because I also had nothing else. I just would like be addicted to famous singers and things like that and wish that fantasy for myself. Social media has been a great way for me to channel that into like being more of myself, but actually having like kind of that dream come true, but in a healthier way. Oh, that's so interesting. Isn't it? Like the (laughs) shit that I learned in therapy blows my mind. It really, it blows my mind. Oh man, therapy can be so great. What else do I want to talk about? Actually, I do, I do kind of want to stay on this creative path for a little bit, just because like I said, like you've done such a great job of branding yourself. Is there specific people that you look up to or how did you like learn social media stuff? Is it something that you just really taught yourself and like came up with yourself? It's so weird to even hear you say that to me though, (laughs) like that you think I'm creative or have like a specific branding. It is shocking because to me, you know, with that deep seated need to feel special, you always feel like you're not. And I think that's what drives me to, to do what I, I do the things the way that I do them. I learn a lot from, um, artistic, online presence. Like obviously there are mental health influencers I look up to, but I have to say there is something to learn from everyone. I think when I see film photos, like people that are photographers on Instagram, that's a lot of what I've learned from to make pictures look attractive. That is the sad part about social media. It is fun, but you know that you're trying to make it look appealing. So people click Mm -hmm. on it. And it's a lot of pressure. But when you start getting into the creative of what you want pictures to look like, and what you're going to wear and the colors and the schemes and the things, it is all so much that you think about, you don't even realize you, you are a machine. Like I've become a weird machine, like you'll end up doing your makeup and hair just to take a picture. And you're like, this is so freaking weird, but it is fun. Yeah. And I think that I hope that people who are doing it still do find some fun in it because it is definitely not fun at some times. And I draw a lot of inspiration also from therapy accounts, therapists, you know, I used to just post pictures and then have captions, which is great. But now I think I've changed it to 
what do I like? I like seeing people post quotes, but I don't want to be a quote account. So I start thinking just about what I don't see. And I try to do that for myself. Like what I really like this post, like, right. come on, like what I, right. Yeah. That's actually really interesting. And I think, um, you know, as a content creator, it can be hard to step outside of your art or your creativity or content and really separate like your personal from what you're creating. And, like you mm-hmm. just said, like viewing it a little bit more objectively, like, is this like, would I like this? Like, is the, do I actually think this is good or do I just think it's good because I created it? Do you know what I mean? Like, those are really hard questions oh to God, have as yeah. a creative person. It's night and day. Once you start thinking just about what you like and people always say that, you know, you have to be happy. It's not about you being happy with it. It's would you want to, do you want to look at that? It's not even like, would you be proud of your work? It's more like, do you seek that out? That was like the shift in the question that I realized. It's not being proud of it. It's not happy about it. It's, am I wanting to look at that if that's not who I am? Like, if that's not me. Mm -hmm. Wow. I think that's super powerful for like any creative (laughs) person. Like, I love this conversation. And this is not what I was expecting to talk about. (laughs) But I love it. Yeah, no, it is so weird. It is analyzing what you do on media. It's like, what the heck am I doing? Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially the way that social media has evolved. And like everybody really is a content creator, whether you're doing it as a job or not. Like if you're on Instagram or TikTok, you're posting like you're a content creator. And so I think like for me, like it's become so second nature almost like even like Instagram stories, for example, it's like the first thing I do if I'm out with friends or out in an event or in my house or waking up or with Rose or literally whatever, it's like an extension of me. And so then to kind of step outside that and be like, hmm, is this actually valuable? Like, do I seek this out? Like you just said, I love that question. I think that's so, that's a really, yeah, very powerful question to be asking as a content creator. And to add to, you know, people put content creators and influencers on such a pedestal, but I actually find the most interesting Instagrams to look at are people who do not have platforms like that. Like they're normal people. Mm. If you see your friends, your family friends or Instagram pages, I think they're so much more fun to look at. Like they're literally pictures of their children or a tree or an orange or this market that they went to. I don't like watching influencer stories or posts. Like I like people in real life and started realizing that about myself. I said, oh, so why am I posting like, you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the way that influencers post yeah, is, is so different yeah. and it's it's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Well, it all becomes it's the same boring. at one point. Yeah, you know, like just the way yeah. that you even address like, or that influencers, sorry, tend to address their audiences with like a, Hey guys, mm-hmm. you know, like even just like little things like yes. that versus if you have 500 followers, you're usually just like, yo, mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing, you know? And so I think people kind of yes. like lose pieces of their personality sometimes when they do start building those followings, because there is that pressure, like you said, to quote unquote, like kind of act like an inf- influencer. Like, I don't know. It's It just kind of happens too. I don't think people like really consciously think about it that much. Oh, it is. Like even when I look at it, I'm looking at it right now. I'm just like, does this person even exist? (laughs) Like in in terms of like when you look at my Instagram versus a normal human who doesn't have a platform, Mm. one kind of looks like they're not someone you could ever speak to in real life. And like that's what I'm starting to notice about like how I want to move forward with my content because – is it really a safe space if you can't picture them walking around the store next to you? Mm. How do you humanize your content so that people view you, I don't know, as like a friend or like a friendly face? Like, Because mm-hmm. I do know like when you 
when there's a, a thousand likes underneath a photo, it starts to become intimidating to view that person as that's somebody that I could talk to or go up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, 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 and only this year I started realizing like, oh, I want to like just be a normal person. Mm-hmm. Obviously I know I'm a normal person. <laughs> Everyone is the same, but I think it's, it's really something I've started realizing. I think everyone just wants to feel like we're on the same team. And, and social media really puts a roadblock between ourselves and, and people with numbers. And I don't want anyone feeling like that anymore because I don't think I enjoy it even. Yeah. Yeah. No, interesting. Um, I just want to be friends with people like <laughs> in real life. Be friends. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I wish, I wish that would be safe. Like, I'm just like, Hey, everyone like come over and we can like hang out. Obviously I wish, I wish maybe that'll cure my crippling loneliness, Kaylee. <laughs> um, I mean, speaking of loneliness, so right now we were just oh, talking before our call, how our day-to-day mm. lives haven't really changed all that much because we both spend a lot of time at home anyways. But I know a lot of people, you know, like if you don't work from home, now you do. (laughs) So do you have any like, I don't know, I would actually, first of all, I would love to hear just a day in your life. Like what does a day in the life of Kelly look like? Okay. When I go to work or today with Corona? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe both. Maybe one of each. So to humanize myself, like in real life, like I wake up, I, I always make tea. I have to make tea and hydrate in the morning. That's like very important to me. I feel like it sets me off for like a good day. I just wake up and I make some tea and coffee and I'll just make sure I have like at least 60 minutes for myself because I'm a very anxious person and I hate going to work. Like I love my job, Mm -hmm. but I think that when you have anxiety, anything like leaving your home every single day is stressful to me. Like I get very weird about it. So I give myself at least 60 minutes to be with myself and like lay down and have my drinks and be on my phone and then I'll get dressed and I just get out the door, go to work. Um, My hours can be anything from like nine to eight or 10 to four. It just with research, it's a very different life because I work with human subjects. Obviously with the pandemic now, we're not doing that, but now everything's virtual. So I'll just basically do that. And then I'll like come home and be like, oh, I'm so tired from today already. I'm so annoyed. (laughs) And then I'll like try to realize I have anxiety and probably going to the gym or taking a walk or maybe not just like, I'll try to gauge where I'm at, where I'm at. And then I'll do that. And then usually I just have dinner and, you know, text friends or watch Netflix until I pass out. It's really not the healthiest lifestyle, but that's an honest day <laughs> in it. my life. I love it. <laughs> Obviously, Instagram is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I'll, I plan my weeks and my days depending on Therapy Thursday. So I film and edit Therapy Thursday on Thursday. Typically, I wish I was better and would do it on Wednesday and then edit it Wednesday. So I'm not stressed but (laughs) But we're only human yeah like I just I yeah that and like actually having a job and then regular posts Mm -hmm. that are not therapy Thursday are definitely something I get very intense about it like I have a three-hour process of creating posts and drafting them and posting them in my drafts like I have another Instagram that's private that I just post them and see what it's gonna look like Like it's, it's true. Like the life behind someone online is not glamorous. It's actually quite intense. It, you know, it's, 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 it's very intense. I think for most people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love the little peek behind the curtain. 
Um, it's, it's, a, it's a messy ass curtain. <laughs> um, okay. So in light of everything, I don't want to end on any sad notes, but do you want to share some of your favorite things to do at home since people are going to be stuck at home lately? Is there any like yes. good books, podcasts, video games, movies? What's your, what's your go-to? Well, here's, here's where I'm at. I think that we all have something that's in our homes right now that's like a little project that we mm. haven't done yet because it's too intimidating. We don't have time. That could even be like that closet that has way too much clothes in it that's on the floor instead of on hangers. Literally my that, closet right now. <laughs> yes. And I think that having all this time and we also feel very really, really anxious and then we get anxious about doing that little task whether it's organizing our bookshelves or organizing our medicine cabinets you will find that actually tackling that task will reduce your anxiety and you will feel really proud of that it's it's those little tasks and also if you don't feel like doing it you can just bum out and watch Netflix all day just be nice to yourself. Do what you need at the time. But I do guarantee you that doing that little task that's behind your brain every day you walk into the door, it's going to help. I love that. Love, love, love. Um, anything else you want to share before we wrap? Um, we're all the same, everybody. And in a lovely way, we are all on the same team. We all have so many feelings and fears and anxieties every day and especially during this time. So just know that we're all holding your hand because you're not alone and you might be, you are sitting home alone, but I think we're feeling more together than we've ever been. So I am with you and we love you very much. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I know that the world is a little bit wild right now and everything might feel up in sorts. And so hopefully self-care Sunday can continue to provide you with a little bit of relief from all of that anxiety. Um, I do want to mention that we do have a Patreon. So if you are really a super fan of self-care Sunday and you want to contribute to my coffee and latte fund, um, you can subscribe for as little as $3 a month on Patreon. It's linked in the show notes. And that's basically just a little way to say thanks. And I so, so, so appreciate it because you know that I drink so much coffee while I'm recording these episodes. And also the merch store, selfcaresunday.co, um, my version of merch. So thrifted, vintage, sustainable, like new and new with tags pieces that are just comfy and cozy and completely embody what self-care Sunday is to me. Um, different sizes everywhere from small to extra large right now, although I'm getting more requests to bump up the extra large and up, which I'm going to be on the hunt for more stuff, you guys, I promise. Um, thank you so, so, so much to everybody who has already placed orders and received orders and tagged me and stuff. It's so cool to see that you guys are enjoying that little side project of mine, and I hope that you can find something comfy and cozy to wear on your self-care Sundays talked about this before I have had a hard time letting go of some of some of the pieces that are on the store because I genuinely love everything so much that I've picked out and it really is just like a curated reflection of everything that I would wear on a self-care Sunday if you are so inclined to check out the store, new merch drops every Sunday. Yes, every single Sunday, I release new pieces on the store. 
Um, patrons on Patreon get to know the pieces first. You guys see sneak peeks and also um, get the exact time of new launches so you can make sure to grab like whatever pieces you want first. Um, but yeah, that's all for now. If you do not have the financial means to support my small biz slash side hustle, um, completely a thousand percent okay. And what I even appreciate um, completely on the same level is shares, reshares, and any ratings or reviews on Apple Podcasts because that helps the show get discovered by new people. So truly, any bit of support I so appreciate, especially during these rough times where everybody is just trying to make things work and adapt in this new world and truly any support that you guys can provide monetary or not is so 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 appreciated and that's all I'm gonna leave you with today thanks so much and happy self-care Sunday everyone Mm -hmm.